Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. Later this week, the House of Representatives will take up the sweeping legislation Democrats passed on Sunday, known as the Inflation Reduction Act. Despite that name, the bill is aimed at reducing carbon emissions, reducing prescription drug prices, and revising the tax code. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer says the provisions to fight climate change will be of particular interest here, even though California is already doing much more than other states. You know, there's also going to be some federal help in here for new solar and wind projects. Some of that is already planned in California, so that'll help. The wildfires here, of course, are a huge and growing problem. There's $2 billion to help reduce uh, brush and other kinds of fuel that fan the flames of these things and really just provide these explosive wildfires that we've seen over the last few years. That was KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer. The Inflation Reduction Act could also bring billions of dollars in drought relief to the state. We get that part of the story from KQED's Ezra David Romero. At $4 billion, the largest pot of drought funds would help watersheds like the Colorado River, which Southern California relies on. An additional $550 million could go to disadvantaged communities with unreliable water access in places like Mendocino County and the Central Valley. Kyle Jones is the policy director for the California Nonprofit Community Water Center. He says the funds would be a step in the right direction, but won't come close to getting reliable access to clean water to the more than a million Californians who need it. We're going to need a stable source of funding for all this effort to really make sure that we can get that one million number down to zero. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero. A Los Angeles City Council meeting turned into chaos yesterday when members of the public in attendance started shouting at council members and one person made an attempt to lunge at the dais. To restore order, police were brought in and ordered people to leave. What caused the unrest at City Hall? The California Report's Saul Gonzalez explains. The raucous city council meeting was sparked by a controversial ordinance before local elected officials banning homeless encampments within 500 feet of Los Angeles schools and daycare centers. Once protesters were cleared from council chambers by police, the measure passed in an 11-3 vote. Critics say the ordinance will criminalize homelessness in Los Angeles while doing little to provide the unhoused with more shelter and housing opportunities. Mike Bonin is an L.A. city councilman who was once homeless himself and voted against the measure. He says the encampment ban will just shuffle the homeless population to other places. This is a question of whether or not we are going to put our energy and our focus into a strategy that manages 
where encampments are by moving them from block to block, or whether we're going to put our time, our energy, our funds, our attention into ending homeless encampments by ending homelessness and moving people indoors. But many parents and school administrators in Los Angeles say homeless encampments near schools and daycare centers have become a threat to children because of unsanitary conditions, mental health problems, and drug use. Alberto Carvalho is the superintendent of the LA Unified School District and has been a leading voice in favor of the encampment ban. The trauma, the long-term, short-term repercussions impact on the psychological, cognitive development of children that those conditions present should be unacceptable to any one of us. People who violate the encampment ordinance could face a fine. Those who willfully try to resist its implementation might also be charged with a misdemeanor offense. For the California Report, I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, in Sacramento, a measure that would require the city to provide more shelter for the unhoused community will remain on the November ballot. But last night, the council voted to change the ballot measure, saying it will only go into effect if the county agrees to provide mental health and substance abuse services for individuals who need them. If approved, the city would be required to open up 1,100 new shelter beds, and officials would also be empowered to clear more homeless encampments. Homeless advocates have vowed to sue the city, arguing that more sweeps will lead to the homeless not getting the services they need. They also say the proposal does not require the city to build more housing. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfatah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. In other news, more than 4,000 COVID-19 deaths in California could have been prevented in one year if the entire state met national ambient air quality standards for particulate matter. That's according to a new study by the Public Health Institute. With me to discuss more of the findings is Dr. Paul English. He's the lead author on the study and director of the Public Health Institute's Tracking California program. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Maddie. What is particulate matter? Why is it bad for our health? And how does that mix with COVID lead to more deaths? Yeah, um, particulate matter is a, is a common air pollutant. Its sources come from different places, including uh, traffic emissions and, and windblown dust. The particulate matter that we were looked at in this study, fine particulate matter, is really small. It's just a fraction of, of a size of the diameter of a human hair. And why this is so bad is it um, penetrates deeply into the lungs and it can cause oxidative stress 
and it can cause inflammation of the airways that increase problems like asthma and, and cardiovascular diseases. Uh, we already know that air pollution causes increases in flu mortality, and so that's why we were interested in looking at the relationship with COVID-19. And what were some of the other key takeaways from this study? Well, we found that people that lived in areas of long-term fine particulate matter pollution, this was 19 years of data we looked at, uh, they had a 51% increased risk of dying from COVID than those that living in the cleaner areas of the state and a 20% increased risk of being infected with COVID. You know, we know California is home to some of the highest levels of air pollution in the country. Who is most at risk in the state in terms of geographical location and demographics? Yeah, we found um, there's two locations in the state that had the highest the highest levels of fine particulate matter pollution. In fact, these areas were nine times higher than the cleaner areas of the states. And, and in particular, these were the San Joaquin Valley and what we call the South Coast Air Basin, which includes uh, Los Angeles County and parts of Orange and Riverside counties. And not only that, we looked at these areas. These areas are more likely to be Hispanic and they're more likely to have vulnerable populations, you know, based on factors like income and housing and education. And for areas like the San Joaquin Valley with wildfire season up and going, how does that impact these communities? The wildfire smoke also contains this fine particulate matter and, and other compounds. This is something of concern, how exposure to wildfire smoke may also increase your, your risk of COVID. And what can be done to improve these outcomes? Well, you can do two things. You could either decrease the, the emission levels to begin with, which is preferable. That would be preventing this from happening. Or you can do things after there's exposure. And, and those are things like people should be using air cleaners in their house during high pollution days and wild fire events. Also, we really need to protect the most vulnerable populations. And those are outdoor workers, for example, farm workers. And those, um, of course, they should be wearing and provided personal protective equipment that should be considered that they should have time off, paid time off during these wildfire and high air pollution events. Great. Well, thank you so much again. That was Paul English. He's the lead author on the study and director of the Public Health Institute's Tracking California program. Thanks again, Paul. Thank you. And finally, with lackluster resources and rising costs, supportive homes for people living with a serious mental illness are continuing to dwindle in Los Angeles and across the state. At one home that's been around for 40 years, though, residents keep their spirits high and celebrate. KPCC's Robert Garova reports. Just off Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, residents of a two-story mid-century apartment complex are throwing a party. They're celebrating their new community garden, complete with yellow sunflowers and pink perennials planted by residents. Robert Allen has lived at the Beller Guest Home for about five years and gave a speech. He just marked his 70th birthday. We are living in a most colorful place with this garden to share our whole day long with you, my friends. Thank you very much. Please do enjoy this garden. Surrounded by expensive apartments and million-dollar homes, the Bellar Guest Home offers vital support to dozens of residents experiencing mental illnesses. Edgar Ramirez is an administrator for this community, which is known as a boarding care home. He says he came to the U.S. from El Salvador in 1986, and he's been working here ever since. I dispense the medications, I 
monitor their behavior, you know, I communicate with the social workers, with medical doctors, with the psychiatrists. At this place, residents with a serious mental illness get meals provided every day and extra help managing their routines from Ramirez and his co-workers. I feel like I've been helping them a whole lot. Jobs that are not everybody else want to do, but I do. Ramirez says he feels like it was his destiny to work here all these years. And he says he's proud to help people who are treated like trash on the streets. I feel like we should not be stuck up because it could be you, it could be me, it could be anybody that will develop mental illness and addiction problems. But LA simply doesn't have enough people like Ramirez or places like Bell our guest home, in part because the reimbursement rate is about 40 bucks a day in many cases. LA City Council member Nithya Raman said last week that she's introduced a resolution urging higher reimbursement rates from the state, which are already slated to go up in the next couple of years. Carrie Morrison heads up the nonprofit Heart Forward, which has the goal of transforming the mental health system. Her husband helped build the planter boxes. They are keeping these places running and open with incredibly minimal resources. Last year, LA saw hundreds of board and care beds disappear at a time when they're desperately needed. It's a, it's a baby palm tree. Is it around? It's right over there. Sporting a white button-up and shiny yellow tie, Robert Allen shows me his prized addition to the garden. It was, looked like it was dying, so I, 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 I took it and put it in a, a pot and it's growing, it's growing. But if, if it gets too big, we have to give it to the city. It's a, it's a baby palm tree. Alan says he thinks this garden is helping residents with stress and depression. And I'll rise up, rise like the day. I'll rise up in spite of the ache. I'll rise again. Resident London Odom goes by the stage name Una and sang at the party. Odom lives with schizophrenia and came to Bell our guest home about six months ago after spending weeks in the psych ward of Glendale Memorial. I was in a place of hurt and distress and uh, I had so much trauma and so gardening is like therapy. Odom says it's crucial Angelinos come together to find a way to keep homes like this open. She stands next to a sunflower that's having its moment in the L.A. sunshine. This guy right here, he's the tallest one, and he looks straight at my door, and I think that's like a thank you through, through nature. It's so tall she can touch it from the second floor, but Odom says that wasn't always the case. At one point, she had to keep it stable with splints and duct tape, but then the time came to cut off the supports. I want to see if it healed and I was like, oh my god, and I was like, it's standing, it's standing by itself, so they need to have a really good base. The more that I get to spend in the garden, the more I'm understanding that, you know, nature is around us and it's around us for a reason and we need to cherish it because it's just like humans. Odom says she feels lucky to live at a place like this. She knows too many people stuck in temporary housing, waiting for a space of their own to set down roots. For the California Report, I'm Robert Garova in Los Angeles. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, August 10th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Mari Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. PersonalCapital.com Hint.
fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.